This morning's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read uh, the gospel verses 1 through 11, and then I encourage you to keep your Bible open because we're going to refer to a couple other passages from Mark's gospel, and we'll read them a little later in the message this morning. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, Its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, What are you doing? Untying the colt. They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for us, the kingdom of people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we're reading from Mark's Gospel. Chapter 11 is part of our spiritual discipline this Lent as we are reading through Mark's Gospel in its entirety. This week's passage of Scripture is the Scripture that we normally read on this Sunday, Palm Sunday. As Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, he goes to the temple, he overturns the tables in the court of the Gentiles, he curses a fig tree, is questioned by scribes and temple officials, and then at the end of the chapter, Mark includes Jesus' explanation to the disciples of why or of what or of how he cursed the fig tree. Jesus has come to Jerusalem to pray and to worship in the temple, although Mark's gospel is unique in that he does not say that Jesus comes to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. Which if you go and read in the gospel of Luke, Jesus has come to the city to observe the Passover, and I believe in the gospel of Matthew, he says that as well. In fact, if you look, Mark's gospel is unique because Mark only records Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem once in his gospel. The other gospels have Jesus entering Jerusalem numerous times. The one that I'm thinking of at this point is the gospel of Luke, where Jesus enters Jerusalem many times. But not Mark. Mark's gospel only contains this one visit by Jesus to this great city. Perhaps this is due to the context and the the community that Mark is writing to. If you'll remember with me, Mark is writing this gospel to a Christian community based in Rome after roughly 63 AD, after the great fire of Rome, and they're experiencing extreme persecution. And so people are being put to death, they're facing wild animals in the arena, they're being tried, they're being persecuted, they're being pursued. And so Mark is offering to them a gospel that is very factual, it's very immediate, and it's very to the point. And so perhaps it could be that as Mark is recording what Peter is sharing with him, because we believe that Mark was the scribe of Peter and recorded Peter's recollections, 
of the life and ministry of Jesus that they just include this one journey because this is the one that mattered. All the other ones weren't. Or maybe they were important, but this is the one that they choose to include because it's Jesus' most important trip to the city. A trip that that leads to officials and scribes prodding against him. A trip that leads to his betrayal and his arrest. A trip that leads to a trial and to abuse and finally crucifixion. And so it's one trip that Jesus took to Jerusalem in Mark's Gospel. And while we often read Mark's Gospel, especially this chapter, chapter 11, with our focus on this first 11 verses where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, this morning I want us to focus on the latter part of this Gospel. Because if you've never read this chapter in Mark continuously, I encourage you to do so. If you've never read this passage in Mark's Gospel, verse 1 all the way through verse 33, I encourage you to do so. Because Mark weaves these stories together as a way to show us and to tell us what he's saying to this early Christian community and to our community now, 2,000 years later. And so this morning we read a passage of Scripture about a fig tree that is cursed and about a temple that is overturned. I want you to hear with me verses 12 through 14 in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. The next day after leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. From far away he noticed a fig tree in leaf, so he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing except leaves, since it wasn't the season for figs. So he said to it, No one will ever again eat your fruit. His disciples heard this. I don't know about you, but this passage of Scripture has always been a puzzling passage of Scripture for me. Because it's really hard for me to put, wrap my mind around or to fathom That Jesus, who is so good and so whole and so sinless and who is complete in Himself, who is God, could do something that appears to us to be not positive, not good, and really not lasting. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this passage of Scripture, let me set it in the context. It's following the day of Palm Sunday. Jesus has entered the city to fanfare and to crowds. The scripture says that he goes to the temple and he looks thoroughly around and then they withdraw from the walls of the city to Bethany, a small community right outside of Jerusalem. As they're walking into Jerusalem the next morning, Jesus and his disciples are approaching and he's hungry and he sees a fig tree in full leaf and so it gives the full appearance of maturity in the distance. And Jesus goes to pick a fig. Seeing the tree doesn't have any figs on it, Jesus curses the fig tree and says, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. See, even from its outward appearance of maturity, this tree was not bearing fruit. And Jesus goes on his way. 
He continues into the city of Jerusalem where he enters the court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles was the only place in the temple where Gentiles or those who were not of the Jewish faith could enter in order to worship God. From the beginning when the temple was crafted, when God gave the command to build it, He said, make a place for a people who are not part of you, who can come and encounter me and worship me and who experience me. See, the temple was built in Jerusalem, not just for Israel, not just for the people of Israel, but it was to be a place where all people could come. They could worship and they could encounter God. It was to be a place where where people could come and know that, that they were in the presence of God. However, the court of the Gentiles that we read about this morning was far from a place where someone could come and encounter and experience God. The court had a number of tables set up where according to a commentary that I was reading that Caiaphas, the high priest, oversaw. And so these are tables that raised money for the temple, in the temple. And there were individuals there who probably paid or gave a portion of their proceeds to sell doves for sacrifice because dove is the most common animal used for sacrifice in the temple. And they were also converting money for people to pay their annual temple tax. And so as you can imagine, the sound of money changing, the doves cooing, the metal clinking, the people talking, and then the sound of footfalls as people plodded through there in groups walking through. Lost in all of this noise was the righteousness that was commanded by God. Lost in all of this awe and grandeur was the worshipful attitude that God wanted in this place. Lost in all the fanfare and the ceremony was the worship that was supposed to happen in that building where all were come, where all were to come and all were invited to encounter the presence of God. Just being in the temple did not facilitate worship. In fact, the temple itself, if you read the scripture, inhibited people from truly worshiping God because of what was happening there. I've tried to think of a modern day example for this story of of how we could view it in our own experience outside the church. And I've got a couple. The first is I want you to think about a time or an artist, a musical act that you've always wanted to hear. And so you plan on it, you prepare for it, you buy tickets for it. And you go to the recital hall or the symphony house to hear this musical act. It's a place you've always wanted to go and you've prepared to go there. Or maybe if you're a sports person, it's planning that trip to the stadium for your team. A place that you envision going and being surrounded by the noise and the festivities and the game. And so you plan to go there. You prepare to go there. And when you arrive to either of these places, the place is hopping. You're in awe of the fact that you're there. You're looking around. You're soaking it all in. And instead of listening to the vocalist or the group, you're too busy looking around. Or instead of watching the game, you're too busy looking and seeing what else is happening. Or maybe you're so busy looking around that you miss what is happening. 
You're so thrilled that you're in the stadium for the game that you overlook the lack of quality of the team that's on the field that's playing. Or you're in the concert and you're so busy being in awe of the space that you're in that you don't notice that the musician is not bringing their best that day. See, most of the time we don't go to places like this just to be in the place. People don't go to Yankee Stadium just to be in the stadium. Eventually, if the team is bad, they're not going to go. You don't go to a, a musical hall or a musical house to hear and receive music if the music is bad. You might go for the experience once, but you're not going to go back. See, we want to go to places like this in order to be there and to experience what happens in the fullest. We want to hear the music, see the team. We want the experience that you're supposed to have in a place like this. And we don't want those things that keep us from doing so. And see, that's what Jesus wanted too. The court of the Gentiles had, had become more than a place of worship. It was a place where tables were set up. And according to the, one of the commentaries that I've been reading, which I found this was very interesting, according to its location in the temple, the court of Gentiles had become almost a hallway or a pass-through for people that weren't even in the temple to worship. Due to its location on the Temple Mount, people were using the court of Gentiles to walk through the Temple Mount to get to the other side to do their business or their commerce or their trade. And so not only do you have metal uh, clinging together where money is being exchanged and doves cooing, but then you have people bringing their stuff through. See, the physical appearance of the Temple did not provide a place for people to come and encounter God. All of the columns, all of the stones, all of the gold, all of the grandeur masked the true worship of God that wasn't taking place because people were not able to encounter the Lord in His house. And so we read a scripture of Jesus overturning tables and throwing people out. But I want you to look at verse 11 again in this gospel. Because it says, After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. See, I think when I read this gospel passage, I see Jesus going into the temple and he's just outraged at what has happened. He's outraged at what he's seeing and hearing and witnessing and participating in. And so he starts overturning tables and getting upset. But he was there the night before. He saw what happened. He saw what was going on. And he left and he came back the next day. Prepared to do what he was going to do. See, this wasn't some outrageous reaction to something that he saw and witnessed. But it was a calculated attempt to offer and to demonstrate to people what God's house was supposed to be. Not dependent on its outward grandeur or appearance, but dependent on the change of heart that occurred in that place 
as people encountered God, as they were able to worship, and as they were able to offer their sacrifice to God in the presence of others. See, in both of these stories, the fig tree and the temple, Jesus is encountering those things that present an appearance that's far from the truth. He's taking them head on. The temple, with with everything that it was, was not a place where people could encounter the Lord. The fig tree, although it was fully leafed, its appearance conveyed that figs were to be picked, but there were no figs on it. And to us, see, I think we can read this scripture and find two things out of it. I think the first is we are to ask the question of ourselves. And the appearance that we convey to others in terms of our Christian walk and the life that we live. Like the fig tree was. If we give the appearance of fruit, we need to bear fruit. If we give the appearance of life, we need to offer life to others. If we give the appearance of having received the grace of God, then the grace of God is ours to give. In the temple, we can read that passage and look at ourselves as individuals or as the church and say, does our outward appearance convey our inward heart? Do the things that I do and say convey what I really feel on the inside? See, this Lenten season is a time for us to examine ourselves in this way. To think about the ways that we fall short of God's glory or to think about the ways that we put up an appearance that's not consistent with who we are. And the beauty of it, the glory of it is through God's Son, Jesus Christ. He offers us the ability and the opportunity to set those things aside so that we can approach Him and encounter Him and worship Him in a whole and new way. I pray this week that you can examine yourself as Jesus caused the disciples to think about the things that they had seen and witnessed. I invite you to think about the appearance that you give and the heart that you offer to others. And I invite you to join me this week as we journey to the cross together, as we celebrate worship on Monday, Thursday at 6 p.m., And then on Good Friday at 6 p.m. as well. May God change our hearts. May God change our lives. And may God help us to experience the transformation that comes from His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.